Cooper throwback school's out for summer. That's right. School is out for summer, but Bass Edge Radio is in session June 15th, 2016. And as always, Bass Edge Radio brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. It's that time of year. School's out. How many times are you going to be docking on a gravel bar? Do a little barbecue, perhaps. Take a break in the hot summer heat. And do a little uh, beaching, maybe laying out in the sun like Kurt. But it is always brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. Visit them at keelguard.com and protect your boat. Choose the protection the pros pick. That's right. School's out. Getting ready for the pro bass camp down here at Lake Amistad, Aaron. I'm excited. The youngins are excited. They get more bass fishing time during the week. Hitting the ponds, lakes, streams all over the United States, man. Happy to be here. Another episode of Bass you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life so give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard Keel Protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. June 15th. It is uh, kind of that time of year, Kurt. You have a lot of guys out there at night now because the heat, the old mercury has risen up a little bit. But a lot of uh, things that transpire throughout the day. I know me, you know, I kind of start with the top water, maybe chase a little bit of shade, kind of stay in shallow. But eventually when that sun gets high, uh, it's hard for me to resist being out in the depths out there. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think that's where those better schools are. For me, you know, I, I like to go out deep. It seems like, you know, I catch more fish out there this time of year obviously using those Lawrence electronics looking for the fish i mean you know forget looking for structure anymore i mean you're you're idling around structure but 100 looking for those fish out there talking about nighttime fishing kind of throws me back to my younger years of course with school being out now the younger folks they can stay out later and have some more fun dude if you can line it up look for that next full moon go out there in the nighttime look at when that full moon is going to be highest in the sky Go to your local lake, little pond, whatever you got, whatever's local, and uh, throw that buzz bait around the shoreline. Man, that can be a lot of fun. And, uh, dude, there's this element of craziness <laughs> because it's at night. You don't know what you're stepping on or what you're around. But, uh, man, it can uh, really raise the senses. It's a lot of fun to uh, do some night fishing this time of year. Fond memories when I was a young cat. 
no doubt. And, and speaking of, of throwbacks, I mean, quite honestly, Kurt, you know, I grew up really learning how to bass fish at night. And the interesting thing is, you know, I'm talking specifically about Lake of the Ozarks is where I spent the majority of my time night fishing. And everything was so keyed on man-positioned brush piles. So guys would come out and they sink all these brush piles. And uh, it's so much fun. Like you said, you can't really see your line, right? I'm a line watcher, but you're fishing maybe a big Texas rig 10-inch worm or throwing some sort of creature bait, you know, into these brush piles and you can't see it. You're going strictly off of sense of feel around docks and all this other stuff. But then you transition that to the daytime and certainly those areas will, those brush piles will hold fish in the daytime as well. But you can't always take the areas that you catch fish at night and convert that into a daytime bite. One of the things that confused me really early on was feeling like that you're fishing for the same fish during the day as what you are at night, and that isn't always the case. Yeah, it's just like a standard condition change, I would assume, during the day. You know, whether it's windy or cloudy or, or still and sunny, you got to adjust the conditions, assuming it's the same way at night. I never was a huge night angler, tourney angler, but I know there's a lot of places around the country where they start hitting up these night tournaments and uh, having a lot of fun, jackpotting, just getting out there with the family and friends. And uh, really, it kind of takes a little bit of the fishing fun back into it if you're a huge tournament competitor. But uh, certainly if you're the weekend angler and like to get out there in the evening as well, it just keeps that fun going. It's just a new element of a lot of excitement you can put together in with that night fishing. And I tell you what, Aaron, we're going to move ahead to the angler spotlight talking about some night fishing. we got a guy from Alabama, Jamie Horton, with us today and uh, jamie's going to talk to us about a lot of little things he likes to key on when he's summertime fishing this guy's a river expert we're going to tweak his brain on that also talk to him about where he's been and where he's going with his professional fishing career stay tuned bass edge radio continues two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat, we're building a legend. Legend Boats. Well, Aaron, we've got a legitimate Alabama hammer in the house. Current FLW Tour Pro, former Bass Elite Angler, past Bass Nation champion, two-time classic qualifier. Dude, this guy has done it all. Big Bass Edge, welcome to Jamie Horton. Thanks for being on the show, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks for being here. It's our pleasure, Jamie, and quite honestly, what an outstanding season. You have been sitting in the top five of FLW Angler of the Year race, and things are looking really good into the final leg of the season. You have the Forcewood Cup in your home state. How are you feeling at this point? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. You know, I've had a a good year of fishing. I've actually fished well and actually been able to catch a lot of key fish every tournament during the tournament to kind of clue me in on what to do next. And it's just been a lot of fun. It's been a really good year and, and hope to continue the success. Forestwood Cup being my home state, you know, I've been to a lot of a lot of champions and a lot of events to classics and stuff like that, but the Forestwood Cup is one of the things on my list that I've never qualified for and I'm just really excited the closer I get to qualify. So do you spend much time looking down the road at upcoming events or you just kind of keep uh, the the blinders on and one event at a time. No, for me, it's just really more about 
how well I can perform, and I just kind of go out and approach each event and do the best that I can do each day, and that's in preparation weeks ahead of the event and when practice starts and during the event. I just try to look back and kind of grade myself on the day. I do the best that I can do in preparation and during the event, and whatever the outcome is, you know, I'm happy with it. As long as I feel like I've done my best in preparation and during the event. Well, Jamie, it seems like this year, you know, you've really stepped it up a notch. You know, this year on tour, you're really making a big splash at the FLW scene, and um, you've had tons of success in the past, no doubt. But uh, this year, it seems like the consistency is really strong at the national level events. What do you think is the difference maker for you this year? I just took a different approach this year in the, to my preparation before each event as far as having my tackle more ready and actually doing more homework and studying the lake. And then during the event, you know, I've just fished better. You know, sitting out last year and not getting to fish one of the major tours just really made me hungry and, and uh, made me realize how good I had it. So I just really enjoyed and fished with a lot of fire this year. Well, Jay, you know, you decided to uh, depart the Elite Series in 14. And really, I didn't see a whole lot talked about that. What kind of based your decision to leave the Elite Series? And, and as you mentioned, basically taking off 15 before beginning the FLW Tour in 2016. Well, I kind of just felt like the F. FLW was a better fit for me. You know, I still have my job here at Berks Mechanical and still working. I just felt like the FLW was a better fit for me at this point in my career, for me and my family. And I made the decision to switch to FLW last year, and then the way things worked out with the field getting shortened, I was one of the hangers that was kind of left out on the outside. And which I think now, I think back, it was probably a good thing because it did let me sit out a year and, and think about how I could prepare better and what I could do to have more success in 2016. So, so far, it seems like it's all worked out really well for me. Real quick, you just talked about your 40-hour uh, week gig. I think it's really interesting that you were able to be able to do that while fishing the Elite Series for several years. You fished for, uh, I think, three seasons, 12, 13, and 14. Now you're still able to do that with the FLW Tour. What is it that you do for your day job? Yeah, I've been working with Berks Mechanical for 30 years, ever since it first started. I was the third employee hired, and you know, kind of worked my way all the way up to the management position in the office, and I actually just court work and manage the fabrication for the company. And, and I got a lot of help. I got a lot of people that kind of handle things while I'm gone. My brother runs the fabrication shop. My stepson runs the paint yard. So I kind of worked really hard to get things to where I could do this one day at this point because this has always been my long-term goal to be able to fish professional. So I've just put a lot of hard work in to get to this point. Me and my boss, we played football together in high school, so he wants to see me have success. So I, I feel like I'm just really in a great situation. I really do. I'm really blessed. Well, that says a lot about, Jamie, I think, about you as a person because obviously, you know, being on tour and fishing the tour is hard enough but then being able to do it and obviously working your way up through the company and being a success there gosh i mean you, you definitely have something going on right for sure well i just i'm just really blessed and, and you know this opportunity i have you know and not just look at it as you know, it's just, I feel like I'm one of the luckiest things on tour, being able to keep a full-time job and be able to do what I love to do also. I, mean, I just really feel fortunate. Well, I'm very happy for you. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to kind of follow you for a, a long time just because you've, you've, quite honestly, you've been at the upper levels like uh, Kurt had mentioned for quite some time now. And I, I kind of laugh when I'm going to ask you this question, but there is the thought out there that professional angling is kind of 
somewhat, you know, gravy once you make it to the tour level. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. What have your experiences been in the sponsorship and, and really personal commitment that it takes to compete at bass fishing's highest level? You know, you throw your family in there, your workload, like you mentioned, and then trying to uh, do the homework and do all the things that you've been doing and still be able to perform. That's That's got to be stressful. You know, we really are fortunate to get to do it what we do for a living and, and each one of us and, and you know the sponsors help us stay out there and do what we do and we couldn't any of us make it without them and our families you know it takes a lot of support from our families to do what we do and stay gone because we do miss a lot of things that we really enjoy being at staying on the road but we're really blessed you know and, and professional fishing is hard work I, I don't think a lot of people realize exactly how hard it is when you fish seven or eight days in a row but man, we're blessed to be able to do what we love to do. And, and I, I just think we're really fortunate in all of us. I think if we look back at our success, all professional anglers have, and just being able to get out and compete and doing something we love to do. I mean, we're all just really, really fortunate. And you're involved in, uh, I believe, softball in that quite a bit. I, th- I think you've had a few games going on, right? Yeah, I've just always been a big sports fan. You know, I played football and loved it. And my grandbabies, they they girls, and they play softball, and they're real competitive. And, and you know, both of them won their championship last week. Both made all-stars. And now i got a nephew that's I've been to, like, hundreds and hundreds of his ball games, and, and he's in the seventh grade. <laughs> and he actually started high school baseball this year. He's with, one of our starting pitchers in third base and in the seventh grade. So, and we've just always been big on sports and competing, and, and that's why fishing is something I really love to do. It's just a chance to get out there and compete and uh, try to win. It's just something that I just always enjoyed doing from a young age, just competing in some type of sport, you know, just any way I could. Yeah, I think it's awesome how close you're able to stay with your family. I think that's so tough for, for so many anglers out there that, that are travel a lot, as, and like yourself and, and like me, and, and, uh, and to be able to balance that, is, it's really special and, and great to hear. You know, if you were trying to explain to aspiring tour anglers, what are the major changes that you've seen versus fishing near home, which, which you had tons of success? I mean, you were known in the state of Alabama long before you, you fished national events um, because you just wrecked them like everywhere you went. But uh, what are the differences between fishing near home and fishing on tour, if you could explain that to uh, guys or, or, or ladies that are aspiring tour anglers? You know, one of the different things, it seems like every lake we go to has got its own different characteristics. And, you know, it's got its own different type of shed spawn. You know, some places shed spawn, you can visibly see them. Some places they got spawn out when you can't see them. And just every lake has its own characteristic, and that's all really been new to me. And it, and it's really something that I like to find out before I go to the lake is kind of watch the characteristics of that lake. You know, when I fish local here in Alabama, we find ourselves we fish so many lakes for so many years that we learn them so well that actually the last couple of years we fished, we kind of just went and fished spots and locations where we always caught them. And, you know, out here on tour, it seems like you practice three days and you work really hard and you have a good practice. And it seems like halfway through the first day of the tournament, you're back practicing again. And that puts you looking for new water and always thinking and trying to figure out what to do next. Or, you know, around fishing local, around the house, it just seems like, you know, at the midpoint of the day where you kind of have done used all your practice up, you just go and fish places where you've caught big ones previous and kind of finish out your day. And then, and then you don't have that luxury when you're fishing places you've never been before. So it really sharpens you up, really makes you think and makes you really learn how to fish by the sea of your britches like we used to when we was younger. 
And, right. uh, and I'm starting to really enjoy that. So do you think, Jamie, that a lot of, obviously, there's been an influx with the college and the high school fishing, and, and it seems like our, our sport has been revitalized. Do you think that's why a lot of the younger anglers are experiencing some success, even though they haven't done a full year on tour and have zero experience on some of these lakes, is because they don't have necessarily that complacency of fishing the past like you speak of, that they are truly on the hunt and out there trying figuring out what's going on with the current conditions? Yeah, you know, I think the high school and college fishing is just really awesome. Me and my wife started a high school team here in our first year with our 32 kids participating. Just see the excitement in them and, and how they must they've enjoyed it and their parents especially. I mean, it's just really been a great experience for me and my wife. But, you know, and I think the younger kids that's out there fishing, them, they don't have as many good success memories as some of us older guys have, but they don't have as many negative memories neither. And I think they're just able to put that together and just kind of study the lake and just approach the lake as they've studied and, and they just have a lot of success. I mean, young anglers have a lot of success, but and I think that's really good. I, you know, our sport needs to grow and it is growing and, and I'm 100% behind this high school fish and I'm really excited. We, we actually got a really nice club down here called the Choctaw Bass Club and it's great to be a part of it. That's awesome. That sounds good, man. I'm going to get into the kids fishing too and, uh, you know, whether it's high school or college or, uh, you know, whatever it is, man, just uh, growing the sport and uh, being able to uh, show as many people my passion as you show folks there in Alabama your passion is always a great way to uh, spread the uh, wealth of bass fishing at least sometimes I feel like it's wealth <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I'm thinking, man you don't really want to get into this sport but uh, anyway guys it's time for us to take a quick break Bass Edge will be right back with pro angler Jamie Hort. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio returns with FLW Tour Pro Jamie Horton in our Angler Spotlight. Brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Jamie, I got to throw this out there real quick. There's probably a lot of people wondering that follow bass fishing. So is there a relation between Tim and Jamie, the Hortons out there? What's going on? Do you guys have any relation going on? No, we actually, me and Timmy are actually not related at all. You know, back in 2002 when I made my first class at me and Timmy spent a lot of time doing stuff together and that was a pretty big topic back then but we're actually no relation but we fished bsls even actually back when they was called red man we fished the red mans against each other so me and timmy's been been knowing each other you know close to 30 years so you know timmy's a good guy but we're no kin <laughs> yeah I'm, i can see where that would definitely come in uh, up in conversation quite often and you know kind of speaking about the the 30 year career when when i study that you know you have had success in your career and and it's pretty obvious you're you're highly tuned in to river systems what is it about a river system that enables you and really bodes well for your style of fishing well, you know when i was younger in high school and stuff we got this cahaba river that kind of runs through town and 
And we used to go down and float it on weekends and just fish it every chance we could. And I just kind of learned a lot down there fishing about rivers and the current and the way fish set up in current. You know, it just seems like when you fish in current, you can just kind of see where the fish are and just duplicate a pattern. And I've always been a, felt like I was a better pattern fisherman than I was just a fishing fish in the area. And I think that was just because, you know, it seems like when you learn something at a young age, you know, like maybe 12 to 15 when you learn to do something, it just seems like it sticks with you better. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough to, when I was young, to learn how to fish rivers and, and you know, sight fish. And I learned how to fish sight fish at a younger age. And it just seems like it just sticks with you better when you learn something when you're young. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. You know, when you're taking a look at a map of a river, whether it's a topo map or maybe Google Earth, if, if I'm dissecting a river for the first time, what are the first areas that you seem to zone in on if you're fishing during the summer season? You know, I've kind of looked back at a lot of success I've had in areas and, and where we fish, and I've just always felt like ever since I first started, you know, bass fishing in general, when I go approach a new lake and go to a new lake, I just always feel like the biggest and most bass live on the lower third of each reservoir, and especially during the summer. And I look for the areas that have the most large flats and large creeks, kind of the largest backwater areas. And I kind of start my summer fishing kind of concentrating from the mouth 100 yards inside or to 100 yards outside. I kind of start there and work my way out to the deeper ledges or humps. And But I, kind of, I just kind of rule out the upper half of a lake right out the gate and try to concentrate on the lower half, possibly even the lower third when I'm fishing during the summer. And I really love to fish out. You know, I, I love to fish deep. I love to crank. Had a lot of success. And, you know, it's a great pattern when you're fishing during the summer. But one thing that a lot of people kind of miss and don't realize is fishing out and fishing deep. There's such a great pattern during the summer, and there's so many people that do it that you can go really, really shallow in the backs of places, especially if they have a ditch running in the back on a flat with some wood cover, some grass, and it, even especially more if we have a little rain, some evening showers and a lot of rain, and you can have some really su- good success back shallow. So, you know, during the summer, I like to fish out in the main lake or the main river and fish deep or just go extremely, extremely shallow in the back of a creek and don't really fish the in-between stuff during the summer. And uh, I've had a lot of success like that. You know, I, I start out trying to find them deep because I feel like that's where the bigger bags are. And if I don't have any success, then I go back extremely shallow. And, and that's just always worked for me, and I know it works for a lot of other people, and that's just kind of the way I approach it. Like, it's, it's hard to fish the whole reservoir when you go somewhere new. You've about got to rule some of it out before you get there. You bet. Real quick, let's break down that flat. You mentioned flats and talking about deep fishing. Of course, flats are, you know, some people would associate that with just shallow water, but but obviously fish can move up and up and off flats. When you're targeting flats, deep water fishing, what is it that you're looking for that's going to position fish or, or what types of cover do you think are, you know, most important to hold the fish and then how exactly are you going to target that? You talked a little bit about deep cranking. So if you can just dive that in a little bit deeper for us. You know, like we talked about earlier, each each lake has its own characteristic. There's some lakes that they got flats that actually are back off the river, like big shallow pocket areas. And, and some lakes have just flats off the river bank where fish spawn out on the main lake, on main lake flats, and some fish spawn in the backwater. You know, each lake's different. You know, some lakes have got grass. If it's got shoreline grass, I like to target that, that in the mornings. 
And then, you know, some lakes are just lakes with woodcock covered and some with rocks. And then there's some lakes that the fish just go shell and spawn and then just get right back out there and just kind of live on the ledges during the summer. I mean, I really love to throw a big crate bait. You know, I'm a 6XD guy. Chartreuse of blue is my favorite color. Green gizzard shed. That's my two baits I like to start with. I like to catch and cranking if I can. And, uh... I've had a lot of success cranking in early June, into May, early June, and I know toward the middle of June, when the fish has been out there a little bit and get conditioned, you know, they kind of get off the crankbait and kind of got to catch them on a swim bait or a hair jig or something of that nature. But, you know, late May, early June, I, I just really love to throw a big crankbait. That's, that's one thing I just, I like to get out there and look for them with it. You know, you can see them on your side image, on your low ranch, you can actually see the fish now. And, you know, back in the old days, we used to have to get out there and just follow the ledge and the fish for and now you can actually see them. So that's, that's just something I really enjoy doing. I second that. Certainly the technology with Lawrence and being able to do all the side imaging and that that's out there. I mean, golly, what a uh, advantage that we now have compared to the old days of, of the flash screens and, and paper graphs and everything else. And, you know, speaking of things that you like to throw, in studying your your career and the photos that I've seen, it's, it's certainly no secret that often you have a, a swim jig uh, at least tied on, if not in your hand. What is it about the swim jig that, that makes it a confidence bait for you, Jamie? You know, I've been swimming jig for ever since the late 90s. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be the one to swim it before people found out about it. And it's just, it, it was just a miraculous bait. I mean, it was just unbelievable, you know, what you could see and what you could catch on it. And, and it's always been a great bait for me. And I've had a lot of success swimming jigs. I try to keep one with me. You know, it's a bait that you can put in a lot of places. It's weedless. I swim a three-eighths nickel sledgehammer jig with a reaction innovation twerk on it. You know, the way I approach lakes and approach swimming jig, you know, I like white on white in the mornings. It just always seems to be the best color in the morning, you know, fish bite it. And, and if it stays cloudy and rainy, I may swim white all day if the water's got a lot of stain. But, you know, a lot of time this time of year, I kind of start out with white. Uh, I like to swim white on the shed spawn. You know, if fish are garden fry, I've always just like, you know, after the white kind of, after it kind of lightens up in the morning, I kind of like to go to a more of a natural, like a green pocket color with a Houdini twerk on the back, something a little more natural. And I like to swim that, you know, especially to fish a garden fry for feeding on brim and bluegill. You know, that's always been one of my favorite colors. And then if I can get a good limiter up in the day, you know, my big fish bait has always been a black and blue. And uh, I swim black and blue a lot up in the day. And that's the only three colors I've ever used since I started swimming the jig. And uh, I've had a lot of success, and, and it's just always been a big fish bait. You know, I feel like I can call one up out of a tree. I feel like I can call one out of a mat uh, by bringing it over the top of it. So I feel like I can cover the flipping aspect, the spinnerbait aspect, the topwater aspect. I feel like I can cover all that just swimming the jig. And it's a really good bait to practice with because you can get an idea how big the fish are without actually catching them. You know, every time I fish, I swim a jig sometime or another during that event. Yeah, sounds like very versatile, no doubt. Real quick, let, let's talk about the way you like to retrieve it. You know, sometimes you see guys out there and they, they chuck it up there in the grass or, or you know, around the cover and, and they just wind it straight back. And, and other times you see somebody chuck it out there and they're keeping their rod tip high at, at the 11 o'clock position and just kind of twitching it along. It's, is it just, a, you know, a variation depending on how the fish want it or, or is there a specific retrieve that you feel like is most commonly successful? You know, when I'm swimming, 
a jig. I like to keep my rod on by the 45. I like to keep slacking my line. And I just I just pop my fingers real fast. And I work my rod tips really fast. And once it gets bouncing, my jig's just kind of moving really quick. And, and, you know, the key to it, the key to catching the bigger fish is when you, you got your jig moving like that, when it hits a piece of grass, you always want to catch something. You always want to catch the corner of a piece of grass. You want to catch the corner of a buck bush. You want to catch a twig hanging up in a treetop. You always want to catch something with it. And you know, I try to work it real fast. And, and, and then when I do hit a twig or a leaf on a buck bush or whatever, the jig, it's just with a slack in the line, the jig, it's just pop every time or two. And that's usually when you get your really big fish, really violent strikes comes when your jig kind of hung up. That's the way I prefer to fish it. You know, sometimes when I'm fishing, like, deeper laydowns or docks or something like that, I, I do a little more of a pumping motion to try to keep it down a little bit, especially up in the day. But for the most part, I kind of work a jig really fast, probably a lot faster than most people. And, you know, back to the characteristics we was talking about, of each lake's got its own characteristics. You know, some of the northern lakes, fish just don't want a jig when you're swimming like that. They, they just want you just straight reeling it. So it's it's really, you really do have to try a couple of different things to, to see what the fish are wanting. You know, sometimes they do just want it just something subtle and just reeling it slow. And so you just kind of got to figure out what they want every day. But my preference is to fish it really fast, about two or three inches under the water where I can see the bite. When the fish bites it, you just got to stop. You got to drop the rod. I call it stop, drop, and pop. You just stop, drop, and then you pop him and set the hook in him, and that kind of lets him eat the bait. If, the, if you swim the jig and the fish don't have the jig in the top of the roof of his mouth, you did something wrong. If he's hooked on the side, you set the hook too quick, or you almost took it away from him. You know, you can tell by the way the fish are hooked on the jig, you know, if you had everything right. I mean, it's just something I've done a lot, and I know a lot about it. It's just it's my favorite way to fish. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about line? You you prefer braided line or you fluorocarbon? What's your setup like on, when you're swimming that jig? I, I use 50 to 55 pound braid when I'm swimming. I don't like 65. I don't get as much reaction out of the bait. You know, I like the 50 to 55. It's really strong enough. Uh, I use cigar line, cigar braid. You know, back a long time ago before we really learned how to swim a jig, we used to swim it on monofilament. But right. this braid by far the best, especially swimming around cover. You know, sometimes if you're just on a clear lake where you're just fishing straight docks, I swim it on 20 pounds cigar fluorocarbon. You know, it's, it's just each lake's different. But for the most part in the river system where you got color in the water and you swim in grass and you swim in wood, I just always use braid. Well, Jamie, you have a unique partnership, which, and of course, I'm talking specifically or speaking specifically about more sauces and marinades. And that kind of begs the question, you know, do you like to cook or is this thing that uh, yeah. are, you, are you marinating your your bait there a little bit with uh, some of the more sauces to get more bites now we, we do use mores a lot we do use the sauce you know marinate steaks and, and cube steak deer meat and stuff like that with it and we do use the wing sauce a lot some of the guys i'm staying with they've been pretty impressed at how well i don't know how to cook part of anything and, uh, <laughs> so i I really don't. You, I know I look more like I could probably cook, but I, I just really, you know, I'm pretty good at boiling crawfish. I feel like I'm about as good as anybody at that. Hey, I'm good. When you Next stuff. time you boiling crawfish, you just give me a buzz, man. I'll be right over. I can do that. <laughs> we actually boil. You know, and that's one of the things that you learn when you fish a professional. I heard Todd Fairclough say this last year, and I really took heart to what he said. He, he said he tries to work on his fishing tackle and everything during the winter and get everything in order. And that way, when he's in and out this time of year, he can spend more time on his, with his family and focusing on his family instead of working on his tackle. That's one thing I did this winter. I've done a lot of pre-work this winter and stuff, 
And that way, when I am home, I can enjoy going to the softball games and the baseball games and spending time with my family. And, and we actually, me and my family got together this past weekend, and we boiled a 100-pound of crawfish. And that's something that our family just really looks forward to doing three or four times a year. And, and uh, we have a lot of fun when we do that. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, hey, look, we're going to move right into our O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices, everyday listener question. Jamie, today's question comes from Danny Williams, and Danny asks, this. I struggle with understanding when to leave an area or stay. I'll fish a spot most of the day, catch some decent bass, although at the end of the day, I'm left with the feeling I should expand more but don't want to leave the fish I've found. How does a pro deal with this type of situation? You know, Danny, that is a very, very good question. And that's a question that me and a couple of other pros we discuss at least a couple times during the year. You know, how do you know when to stay and when you go? You know, we've all had success leaving and going and hitting a couple more places and some things that look good and caught a key fish or two in their career that made a difference. And we've also all had success when we stayed and just kind of grinded out and caught an extra fish or two. It's a really it's a really tough decision. You know, kind of the way I base it is, you know, if you see a lot of people that win a tournament, you say, how did he sit there for four days on that same spot and catch a fish once every two hours and win? You know, and I like to say, well, maybe he just didn't really – know anywhere else really have anything else but you know he won the tournament i think well i would have never won that way because i couldn't stay there that long but you know sometimes when you get out traveling you just got to realize you know are you in a key place does that place give you the best chance to be successful staying on that air getting a bite or two later in the day on that place gives you the best chance to be successful or do you think it is moving around and hitting new places and uh you know I've, i've stayed in the areas too long and I've had some success leaving, and, and that's really a great question. Um, you know, I guess it just depends a lot on what else you got to go to or what else is in your mind you, you feel like you can do to be successful. So that's a great question, and that's that's really a tough one to answer because I think we all approach it both ways. You know, some sometimes we'll make the decision to stay. It works out. Sometimes it don't. Sometimes we'll make the decision to leave. So, I mean, that's a question that we all deal with every day as we're out there fishing, you know, especially out on the road fishing. That's well, a really good question. And, son, just one thing to add. It sounds like to me you're you're kind of back-ending a little bit into it's it's a confidence. It's it's whatever you feel in your gut instinct at that time. That's that's probably what you need to go with because there's no point in sitting there making a cast if if you feel it's over and uh, you're thinking about the spot that you should have, would have, could have went to. Certainly follow that gut instinct i know we hear that a lot here on bass edge radio jamie but uh, hey thank you for answering danny's question and danny be sure to log on to bassedge.com click the claim your prize section or email us at support at bass edge let us know you heard the answer from jamie on the show and we will send out that o'reilly auto parts gift card and a continued reminder to bass edge listeners to send in those questions we've been getting a lot of great questions through our facebook page and and a twitter page also you can email those to support at BassEdge.com and have a shot at winning that next O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Well, Jamie, it was uh, certainly a pleasure to have you on the show and and, uh, an angler that I certainly respect and wish you nothing but continued success down the road. Any final uh, words that you would like to leave us with before we shut this down? I appreciate the invitation to be here, and it was great talking to you and Aaron. You know, Really appreciate what y'all are trying to do to grow the sport and getting the word out there for each one of us professional anglers. Man, we really appreciate you and what you're doing and and uh, just continue the good work. Jamie, we appreciate you hanging with Bass Edge. We will see you at the next event, my friends. Safe travels. Bass Edge Radio will be right back.
I am BASS Open Champion Dave Mansu, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Aaron, a lot of fun having Jamie Horton in the house. Once again, no relation to Tim Horton. But, uh, you know, Jamie and Alabama Hammer, just like several other folks out of Alabama. Man, great bass fishing state. Unbelievable what they got going on over there. Just a big, huge, diverse population of fisheries. And really liked the uh, little subtle tips Jamie provided on fishing the bottom third of the lake, concentrating on the mouths of pockets. I think that was one of the critical statements he made in his interview. Yeah, I got three words for you. Stop, drop, and pop. First time I've heard that, but fishing that swim jig when he's talking about how he works that around various types of cover, the speed of his retrieve, and if you're not catching him in the roof of the mouth, but rather over there in that side part of the jaw, you're fishing it wrong. So don't forget, as you're throwing that swim jig around, you got to stop it, drop it, then pop it, and that a lot of times is going to not only create a better hookup, but it's probably going to trigger more strike. Yeah, you're not kidding right there. Another subtle tip, talked about this several times when talking about swimming that jig, and that was getting it hung up on some cover, whether it be a little piece of grass, maybe a piece of buck brush, but kind of utilizing the cover just like you would deflect a crankbait or maybe a spinnerbait or, or skip a jig underneath a dock or something of that nature. But really, Jamie, concentrating on trying to hit stuff rather than keep it away from cover. So I thought that was also another really important tip that he brought to the table, but uh, certainly love the mouths of the cuts, you know, whether it's inside, outside, rainy conditions. Second time we've heard shallow water guys talk about rain being a good element of summertime fishing. We heard it last uh, episode with John Cox talking about the rain and how that can trigger some shallow activity. Heard it again this time from Jamie Horton talking about that summertime rain and some shallow water activity going hand in hand. So uh, great tips there from Jamie. Dude, awesome interview. A lot of fun talking to him about all kinds of stuff and and that switch between bass and FLW and still having a full-time job. A lot of things to juggle for the pro angle out there and uh, Jamie doing it top notch no doubt for sure and uh, speaking of things to juggle we certainly appreciate the anglers and listeners juggling their time to spend time with both you and I Kurt here on the airwaves of Bass Edge Radio if you get an opportunity Run out to iTunes, leave us a comment, let us know how we're doing, and certainly we welcome any feedback that our listeners have to give us. In the meantime, we've got to shut this thing down. We will see everyone, hard to believe, July 1st for episode 235. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. We wish you a happy two weeks. Get out there, get on the water, be safe, and don't forget to use that sunscreen. Bass Edge Radio will return in two weeks. I'm professional angler John Cox. We'll see you next time on Bass Edge Radio. 
you know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. The Edge is presented by Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, Powerpole, and Rapaholic.com.